Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ear to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I said amen. amen. All right, let's take our seat. The Lord is good. And then let's um, open our Bibles to, remember we'll be talking about hope. So our school of prayer, we are looking at how Christians are supposed to live and how we must never let go of hope. Remember, he said, turn to your stronghold, return to your stronghold, you prisoners that still have hope. That is, it's important, if you are going to have deliverance, hope must be maintained. If you are going to have, um, um, like we read last time from Hebrews chapter 10, it said we must not cast away our confidence because we have need of endurance. That's in verse 36, Hebrews chapter 10. It said we have need of endurance so that when we will have done the will of God, we may receive what was promised. Now let me just take a moment and just, I've not gotten to the main message yet. I just want to quickly, I feel like I should, say something about doing the will of God. People oftentimes wonder what is the will of God in every in a situation. I just had a Bible study this Sunday, all right, about it. I just need to emphasize because sometimes people want to know, is this the will of God, is this not the will of God? Let's just get it clear again. What he was talking about here, he wasn't saying, having done that which he saw in a vision. He was not saying, having done that which an angel spoke to you. That was not what he was saying. Paul said, this is the will of God concerning you, your sanctification. All right? And then he went ahead to describe what he calls sanctification. You can read that from, I think, First Thessalonians chapter 4. So you see, the will of God is not just that which I dreamt of and God spoke to me. There is the will of God. That is, he say, if he says, forgive your enemy when you have been hurt, that is the will of God. Do you follow my point? Uh-huh. That is, if you walk in an office, they say, sign when you come in and you get in there at 8.30, sign 8.30. That is the will of God. Even though if your boss finds out, he will be very, very cross with you because everybody is supposed to get in latest by 8 o'clock. When you get in by 8.30 instead of 8 o'clock, what is the will of God? It's not Father God, what should I sign? I receive from the Spirit right now. Anything in my hands, right, sir? That is the will of God. You have now suddenly write 758. That is a sin, not the will of God. You never ask God for a specific communication when the obvious thing is right. I hope you're getting my point. That the one I say right is that according to His Word, you don't, there are things you don't pray about. The concept of praying about them is a sin. The moment you pray about them, you have sinned. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. For example, a man gives you, okay, I give you money. All right? I say, please, when you get there, give, um, um, uh, give Reverend, Reverend this money for me. It's 12,000 naira. And you have not eaten since morning. And I did not discern that you were hungry. My eyes were closed. My spirit undiscerning. And you were looking at me, waiting for me to add something to it, and I did not. Then you left my presence. You go to Tor Reverend's office. And then on the way, you saw fresh, you know, this kind of opera that you heard about in Lagos. 
fresh and they, they, somebody is there selling it for just, uh, you know, for 200 naira you get up and a drink. You now start, stop there and start praying. Father, should I take from this money or not take from this money? The concept of praying about it is a sin. That you ask God that question, you have sinned. Let us assume you took 200 naira from the money or 500. You go to his office. How much was the money initially? 12,000. 11,500. That's remaining now. Okay? You handed it to him. Pastor said, I should give you this. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, should I tell him that I took 500 naira or I should not tell him? The moment you start praying like that, you have sinned. Do you get my point? I know we have to say all of these things. Truth is the will of God. It's not that God said to me I should tell him or I should not tell him. You met a young man or you met a young woman, you are single, alright? Oh, let's start with the married people. You met a young woman, there's nothing, God, no, it's young it's, uh, men that have that problem. There's no, there's no, you can't pray about, should I talk to this girl in that way or not? It's not a, is, is this, is this, is this woman the will of God for me or is not, she's not? That prayer point is what deal of hellfire. Why? You have married. Because if you pray that prayer, you will hear God say, Arise, my son. David was a man after my own heart. His first six sons were born by six different women. Arise and kill. Kill and eat. You will hear it too. Then you now come to church and say, Ah, ah, man of God, but you have a wife already. He said, That day I heard God speak to me expressly. And you are not lying. You heard whatever, whoever speak to you expressly. But the sin you committed was in praying about in the first place. The scriptures should have been clear enough to you to give you direction. Now that looks like an obvious one. Say, Pastor, we won't even do that. I know. I just wanted, you know, I've seen a lot of things in Christianity. So I need to keep saying things that sometimes I never knew I had to say. But let's get to the next one, which is more common. An unbelieving man proposes marriage to you. And he said, let me go and pray whether God wants me to say yes or no. You have sinned a sin. I didn't say well, you married him. Did I say so? What did I say? You went to go and ask God, should I agree or not agree? That one alone is worthy of judgment. The concept of, no, please, I need to say it. That you knelt down. I said, Father, good morning. You know, yesterday, give me a name. Chibuzo stopped me on the road. And he finally, you know, I know he's been looking at me for some time. He now finally asked me to marry him. Lord, what do you have to say? I want you to, you know, please read my book, Guided by the Spirit. For those listening to this on the medium, it's downloadable free from pastor.ng. Now, you now say, Lord, I have laid a fleece. If I put my carpet outside overnight and it becomes wet and the surrounding is dry, I know it is your will to marry Chibuzo. Now, first of all, God has made it clear Chibuzo is an unbeliever. Your friends have testified. Even he has hinted you. Let's make a long story short. You are not in doubt. At least for the first three days, you are not in doubt. You know, you start changing your mind when your mind is going in one direction. But at least initially, you are not in doubt. Then you get anyway, back to our fleas. 
Why should you read my book, Guided by the Spirit, is I discuss the issue of leases. Modern Pentecostal preachers often say that in the New Testament, nobody is allowed to put out a fleece. You are not allowed to cast lots. I am one Pentecostal preacher that says it's not true. You can put out a fleece, you can cast lots under the right circumstances. They say that the replacement for Judas was chosen by Lot simply because the Holy Spirit had not come. That is totally false. I don't accept it. What Peter did was right, was right, was right. Holy Spirit or no, what he did was right. Like Americans would say, Holy Spirit or no. <laughs> it wasn't because there was no Holy Spirit. There was enough Holy Spirit to make that decision. Some will tell you that he should have waited for Paul. Paul was the twelfth apostle. It's not true. The apostles of the Lamb had to have seen, they, they had to have seen Jesus physically. And Paul never did. He did not qualify. This doesn't take anything away from him. But he did not qualify. So let's just get it clear. Christians can put out fleeces when necessary. It's hardly necessary. In my whole life, I think I may have done it like two, three times. Can't remember for sure now. But definitely no more than that. You can cast lots. It's just a hardly necessary. I don't cast lots, and, but then when, if it ever becomes necessary, hardly has it been necessary in my life. I've done it a few times. If it has to be done, we will do it. In fact, the day I asked my wife to marry me, I cast a lot. Is it lot? Or fleas? What is that one? The one that's halfway between lot and fleas? I don't know. I did. Let me, let me not go into because see all the antenna don't get off. Look at all this. Thing. Everybody wants to hear Jesus. <laughs> Meals and booze. <laughs> romance. No, people like romance stories. Eh? Like Pastor tell us, tell us what to hear what happened. People like, but I won't give you details. Now, but this one I'm going to make. So, the issue, please go and read it in, in that book, Guided by the Spirit. The issue is not in whether you cast a lot or you did not cast a lot. That's not what the issue is. The issue is something else. And we'll talk about that another time, not now. You get in the book. The issue is simple. What kind of background is in your heart? What, may, what kind of thing made that casting of lots necessary? So back to what we're saying. So you put out your fleas and say, Lord, if, the morning, if in the morning my carpet is dry, and the surrounding is wet. It is your will to marry Chibuzo. And you come out in the morning, guess what happened? The carpet is dry. Surrounding is wet. Say, Lord, let me make assurance doubly sure. Today, the carpet will be wet. I mean, the carpet will be dry. Which one did I say first? Yeah. I, you know what I mean anyway. So this time around, the other one will not be wet. And this other one will be dry. And next day, it happens exactly as you have said. You know what happens? You are being deceived by Satan. God has, at that point, had given you over to deception. Why? You made one critical error. Chibuzo was a prayer point. He should not have been. There is a word that handles it directly. Be not unequally yoked with an unbeliever. An unbeliever is not a prayer point. Whether I should marry him or I shouldn't marry him. Having done the will of God, let me say it to us again. Doing the will of God does not guarantee immediate success. does not guarantee immediate answers. It does not mean everything will flow smoothly. The fact that God spoke to you, I'm not talking about Chibuzo's problem now. I'm talking about a real Christian issue. 
you walked with the word of God and then you obeyed God and you married and the Holy Spirit now confirmed it that this is my beloved husband for you does not guarantee that marriage will be happy. It doesn't guarantee it. You know what I'm saying so? The Bible says that after you've done the will of God, what do you now need? You need to have need of endurance. What does that mean? Having done the will of God, you have, sometimes you have to wait for a long time. So, if somebody tells you that, do this today, today, God will answer you tomorrow, tomorrow. Sometimes he does, and if he doesn't do it, doesn't matter. That's why we as believers, we insist on knowing what is right to do. We take our comfort, our consolation, from knowing that that was the right thing to do. I have done right things before and gotten into, in quotes, trouble. I told you once, after my NYC, I was in Lagos looking for work. I was a young post-NYC medical doctor, you know, young man. I would go to a hospital, I'm looking for work. Somebody said, go there, they need the doctor, I get there. The man says, how long do you intend to stay with us if we employed you? I will say, all right. Um, actually, I want to start a residency program. I've applied in Luth. When they employ me, I shall leave. They must say, in that case, it can be difficult for us. I thank him very well, and I leave. And then they will tell me, that, why are you telling them that? I said, what do you want me to say? Lie? You know the truth? After telling the truth all over Lagos, you know what I got? No job. There was a man who didn't mind, finally employed me. And he by himself, with himself, fired me after three weeks. Because my, the will of God in my life is not literally the truth. It's refusal to do some things. By the time I started working for him, I found out that he, ran an, an, he was just running an abortion clinic. Calling it a hospital. It was not a hospital. I saw a few normally sick people. Most of that came had something missing they were looking for. And of course, we had our strong disagreements we didn't exchange words though. I just refused to do certain things he said. And finally, after three weeks, he said, you can't work for me. I said, fine. So he paid me for three weeks. I had worked, seen malaria, you know, UTIs, normal human sicknesses. Like I always say, pregnancy is not a disease, amen? I treated the diseases. If he felt pregnancy was a disease, that's his problem. So after three weeks, I got fired. And I left that day, having done the will of God, I needed patience to get another job. This lasted from around November till July the following year. I came for a conference in Benin. My friend Chuk said, Black, I hear you are the only jobless doctor in Nigeria. So doing the will of God does not guarantee immediate promotion, immediate victory. No. If it did, why would you need, why would you have need of what? Endurance. Why would you have need for endurance? You wouldn't have need for endurance because, <laughs> I mean, you have, as soon as you do it, bam! Everything falls in line. I'm talking about consolation. So where did I get my consolation from? Simple. I look back and say, that was the right thing to do. It didn't produce for me. doesn't matter. It was the right thing to do. Tell them the truth. Let them plan. If God wanted me to... In fact, the job I finally got in that uh, July, I've told the story a number of times, it was because one day, I, to, I think I went to Luz or somewhere, and I found out that they were not willing for us to resume work in the Lord, and they didn't even know when they would call us to start work. I just got back home. I just saw the Lord. Ah. Now, I look back, I don't know whether that was the will of God. 
You see what I mean? I just sat on that day and said, Lord, no, this has gone far enough. I can't just sit down and do nothing. The very next day, a friend of mine walked in. I said, Banky, go to, I still remember the address of the place. Number 25, so and so and so and so place. Tell me the name of the hospital. Ask for this man. Tell him I sent you. I prayed this prayer this evening. Next day. If I remember that day, they came and said, somebody's looking for you. We're living upstairs. So I came out, just, ah, come upstairs. Say, no, 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 I'm in a hurry. Write this address down. And I walk, walked in there, and the man said, they, of course, I started walking maybe like two days after. But what did, what did God do? He ensured that the job was only at night. So I was now working only night. My days were still free. I was working in that clinic 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. An alternative weekend. I still remember very well. That day I got home, I sat and I told the Lord, no, no, no. It, ah, it's enough. And the next day, I got one. Now, why I said, was it the will of God? I don't know whether, whether God was happy with what was going on. And my flesh became impatient. If it's now, I won't pray that kind of prayer. Now, what I, with what I know now, I won't. I'll just be giving the Lord thanks. And I think God just looked at you because each, at each season in your life, there's what you can handle. I had a job, by the way. I was a driver. So I wasn't totally idle. And I said, ah, is idleness good? No, no, I need to fill that one in. I was a driver. I told her I was living with my auntie, actually my cousin, actually, just that she's much older than me. I was living with her, and um, she didn't have a driver at that time, and I was doing the driving. I drove Lagos over my father. I, 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 I hated driving in Lagos. After driving her for months, Maybe with the Lord will have been okay. Keep driving. Don't worry about it. I've given you accommodation. I've given you food. And you're of service to somebody. That is the season. What was I doing with my time? You wonder. It's simple. Once we park, you say, ah, come here. Come and wait. Because it was a businesswoman. Go to, we go to a particular office. Come and wait in the reception. I say, no, ma, don't worry. I'll be in the car. Why was I in the car? I was reading. Why was I in the car? I was listening to messages. I was using the car stereo. That was my Bible school. My mobile Bible school. It got to a time my auntie joined me in listening to the messages. We entered the car. At that time she was ill. So, this is the word. It heals. So, I put in the messages and I'll be driving. She'll sit at the back. And the word will fill the atmosphere. And we'll be listening to it together. One day I said, I wanted to go for a breakthrough seminar. She said, let us go. So, I drove the car. She and I went all the way to Yanokwaja for a breakthrough seminar. So, I had a job. I wasn't totally idle doing nothing. Yet I was not earning a salary. But I was earning food, I can assure you. There was food to eat. And I visited very nice places, you know, of course. In that, those days, my auntie, the kind of person she was, if we were, if we were driving and we were hungry, we enter one nice, one nice, you know what I'm saying? So I had a job, actually. But what, that's why I was telling that. I don't know whether that was the will of God, because when I said that, of God, God is merciful. He understood. You know, he says, mindful that we are both flesh and all of that. But I prayed that prayer. I said, Lord, no, no, no. This is gone too far. And I mean, like, come on. I have to have work. And next day, he sent one. Be- Listen, the very next day, my friend just walked there and said, go to so-and-so place. And I started work, I think like a day or two after that. I spent all my days studying the scriptures. I spent all my time listening to the word of God. I just want you to understand what they call the will of God. When it's having done the will of God, you have need of endurance. It means sometimes you do what is right and you don't get what people think 
is you know promotion or results or success it doesn't just come to you but you have done what is right so like i said we get our consolation from looking back analyzing our steps our responses our answers to situation in the light of the scriptures and if it's right we take comfort that's what it calls the will of god i just feel like clarifying that he wasn't saying that i prayed and i had the spirit say the Spirit says sometimes. Please, I say, go and read that book, Guided by the Spirit. Sometimes the Spirit talks. And I've been guided myself many times like that. Many times. Not once, not twice. Many times. I've been guided, mostly corrected by dreams. You understand? I have, I've had experiences too. I've had people prophesying, not knowing they were prophesying to me. And I'll look at the person like, what are you saying? And the fellow is prophesying. Not knowing he was prophesying. It has given me direction. I hope you're getting my point. I've had this, I've heard voices inside my heart. Very strong. I remember one I heard. It knocked me into my seat. Because I had to make an important decision as we were worshipping that day. When Winner's Chapel went for mini, uh, minister's uh, school of ministry. As soon as the word dropped in me, I fe- I'm not kidding. No, I'm not exaggerating. I, it's as if something fell from above. Entered my head into my heart. As it hit my chest, I fell into my seat. And I became depressed. Because I knew what I had to do and I didn't feel like doing it. Why, why did I say that? Okay. I said that because I wanted us to understand that, that when I, why I went, went, went to my own experience to let you know that I know those things are real. I know those things happen. They do. But what the Bible calls the will of God in that context, alright, is knowing the word, following divine principles, and doing what is right as the word of God has revealed it. And that's why I made the statement I made. You don't pray about what is clear. You don't make requests. God give me a special manifestation when the thing is clear. You don't. What you do is you pray until you are able to do that which is clear already. I said everything I said to let you know that I know it happens. Alright? You pray until you are able. God gives you the energy until you tap into the spirit by which you do that which you know is right already. Jesus knew the cross was right. There was no doubt in him. Is this cross right? Is the cross not right? There was no doubt. But the question is that, what do we now do? He said, nevertheless, not my will. We know the cross is right, but it doesn't feel good for us, to our body, to go there. We know the cross is right. What do we do about going there? So we go and pray until we receive the strength to obey that which we know is right. We don't pray whether we should do that which is right or not do it. We pray until we are able because you cannot obey God by your own energy. You obey God by his energy. That's what the Bible calls grace. Okay? So, um, we'll be looking, so that's what we'll be looking at. Hope. So hope, without hope, we can't pray. What is hope? Having expectation. When you are praying, when you are requesting something from the Lord, it is because you know he can do it. It is because you believe he will do it. It is because he has promised to do it. Without that hope, we can't pray. What is hope derived from? Is faith. What is hope derived from? Information. Do two of them working together. That is, if God gives you a word, that's information. If there is faith in your heart, that's what I'm talking about, faith. The two of them will interact and they create a firm expectation for you. That is the basis upon which prayers are said. Our best example is um, Daniel. Daniel, in chapter 9, you can read that. He said, I, Daniel, understood when I read the books. I read the book of Jeremiah. 
I found out that the word of the Lord had come, saying that the desolations of Jerusalem will last 70 years. I know God is faithful. It's time to activate the promises. It's, act, it's time to activate that promise of deliverance after 70 years. Then he began to pray. That's it. Without that, prayer could not have been said. That's why we study the scriptures. Are you getting my point? That's why I say things like old age is not a disease. I read it in my Bible. Okay? Every day, I keep advancing in days. All of us, each day, you get older. Each day, you get older. But despite the fact that my natural training tells me some things, I said my spiritual training tells me something else. So when they say the older you get, you are more likely to be hypertensive, diabetic, this and that. I said, not in my case. Not in my case. It does not mean I will never feel like that. It just means that if I do feel like that, I will reject it. It doesn't mean I won't pick something one day and discover, ah, it's pretty difficult to see this thing. It's just that when I felt like that many times, I will return to prayer and say, no, no, Lord, take this thing away. I mean, no. According to your word, no matter how old I am, I will be full of sap. Moses was 120 years old. His eyes did not grow dim. His strength did not abate. That's an example. We take all of those spirit and add it together. It becomes the basis of prayer. And I expect it to be fulfilled. Why? He promised. I've heard people say things many times, both from Christians and non-Christians. Ah, you know, I have to be careful. I'm watching my weight. Nothing wrong with watching your weight. I'm not saying it's wrong. Okay? But it's why you do these things. I'm watching my weight because I found that my father is diabetic. And my mother is diabetic. You understand? So, I, I know I have a high risk. What happens is that expectation has been created. That's what happened. The environment has created expectation for us. So we have information. We read in the newspapers. We have information. We read it from, we heard it from doctors. We heard it on radio. Like one woman was saying one day, they said we're doing all glaucoma day. They said preach glaucoma like you preach the word of God. I said shut up there. The person speaking happens to be a doctor and a religious person belong, belonging to a religious order. So that's why she was a woman. She used the word of God to explain the importance of glaucoma. You know what they call glaucoma? Increased pressure inside the eyes, hypertension inside the eyes. And it renders a lot of people blind. So he said, preach it the way you preach the word of God. I said, hey, this God, we don't respect him more. You preach glaucoma the way you preach the word of God. So the world has World Diabetes Day, World Glaucoma Day, World Everything Day, World Christmas Day, World Everything Day, Mental Illness Day, world, the day, the day. And then on those days, medical people all over the world will now fill the airwaves, teaching people the ways of the flesh. For those who have nothing else, let them hold on to it. But for those of us who hear the word of God, nothing wrong, you've heard glaucoma now, but I will not preach it like I preach the word of God. No, I won't do that. I will not preach it like I preach the word of God. Night like God forbid that. So what do you do about your eyes? Well, you have two options. You have one option of going from place to place, checking the pressure of your eyes until it becomes high. You have an option of looking for medicine. You have an option. But you have another option. Now that they try to scare you, you have another option of taking your Bible and reading the word of God to your eyes every day until you forget about glaucoma. It's an option. It's an option. You choose one. Both of them work. No, both work home. But one works better than the other. The word of God works better. The other one has its own limitations. The word of God has no limitation. The only limit the word of God has is imposed upon it by us. I hope you're getting my point. The only limit the word has 
is imposed on it by you and me. Medicine has inherent limitation. I was watching one video on BBC News the other day, and a doctor who performs assisted suicide, I don't like the word assisted suicide anyway, I prefer to use the word who kills people who want to die. You understand? The man was interviewed, as of now he has succeeded in ending the lives of a hundred people. It's a hospital in Belgium. You travel there, people travel there, book appointments, he rejects most people, but the ones he accepts, it's okay, tomorrow morning, we'll do the deed. And what's the deed? Terminating people's lives. He made a statement. He said, as doctors, we have to, that's, that's what I'm quoting him, we have to know when we can't help the patient anymore. So the ones that have decided that this patient can no longer be helped, and they are in pain, they are, they are in misery, and they can't be helped, then we kill the fellow if he wants. And as of now, he has done a little over a hundred. Do you feel bad? He said, no. And he talks to the patient, he talks to, the day he comes to kill the individual, you know, this is why I'm using the word kill. Because what happens in the world is that when we want to do bad things, we have to give it nice names. And that's why I like to use the proper names. No, what I'm telling you is not a joke. It's, uh, it's psychology. That's how they do it. So homosexuals are called gay. It's deliberate. The word gay is originally meant a happy thing, a bright day. If you say a day is gay, it means everybody's happy. There's no depression today. The sun is shining. So the shine is shining for them. Everything is working out well. But now when you hear gay parade, it means homosexuals are demonstrating that we like the way we are and we don't care what your God thinks. In the same manner, they don't talk about killing unborn babies. They call it choice. The emphasis all the time, I read about this all the time, the emphasis every time is the woman has a right to decide what she has, what she does with her body. They will never tell you about the right of the unborn child. No, because once you talk about it, you create a new narrative. You create a new scenario. And thinking people suddenly change their minds. So I've read, they keep on saying, what gives men the right to decide what a woman does with her body? And meanwhile, the same people are protesting the killing of chicken. No, the, no, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. They went to court that in Europe, just as an aside, so that the courts will stop the killing of male chicks. You know, chicks. You know, many of us don't know when chicken, that's when chicks, when they hatch chicken for commercial farming, they kill off all the males. Because they don't lay eggs and they don't grow fast. So commercially, male chicks are bad. And these same people that say you can kill an unborn baby, they went to court to say you can't kill small chick. That is inhuman. <laughs> the world is upside down, no? I'm getting carried away from my message. Let me get back to my message, all right? So that's, I'm just saying why I choose my words. That's why deliberately I don't use some words. I don't want to participate in beautifying a bad thing. All right? They, they, they are trying to drop the word prostitute for a sex worker. That is his work. Now money will define. Now my own work to be that. So words like harlot, prostitute, no, we drop it. It has a bad connotation. But when you use the word sex work, it means that is everybody has his own hustle. That's my own hustle. 
Anyway, back to what I'm trying to say. So, the man that they were saying, explained to us, that no, he's, he's, he's mercifully terminating the lives of people who are in suffering. Because he admitted inherently medicine has limitations. That is inherently. Till today, curing cancer is a near, in most cases, is a near impossibility. In most cases, I didn't say all. It's so difficult that we have to redefine what we call cure. Yeah, we have to define it because just to give ourselves hope, it's so difficult. And when I'm talking about difficult, I'm talking about billions of dollars spent annually in research. But the cure is hard. And we admit it. But the only limitation the word of God has is imposed upon it by us. Are we committed to it? Are we ready to give it the same attention that people give to medical doctors? Lillian B. Yomas, Kenneth Hagen, John G. Lake, and even Dawe, different people have said different times that all I need from you is your attention. And there's nothing I won't get you cured of. Sometimes we lay hands on the sick, they recover instantly. He said, but those men said, but other times it doesn't work like that. Other times it requires you to sit down and hear the word. It requires to sit down and hear the word. Sometimes for a week, for two weeks, for five weeks, sometimes for a whole year. Sometimes you are sustained only by that word. God says, I'm hanging you on it, you don't get off it. But are we willing? Now, so what am I going to say? So, when we come to God in prayer as an example for health, it's because we have expectation. We have his promise. Information out there tells us one thing. But the word of God tells us another thing. And we hold on to it tenaciously and we make it a prayer point. That is, is the basis of our prayer. It is the basis. That, that is why, listen people of God, stock up your armamentarium of God's word. What I'm trying to say is this. Anytime challenges come, let it push out something you have stored in your heart. Let it annoy you in a manner that is derived from God's word. I hope you're getting my point. <laughs> let it, it get to your point. Some things will be said. It just offends you. Not for any other reason than you know what you have imbibed as truth. That's what creates prayer points. For me, I've read the scriptures enough, you know. Sometimes people tell you that uh, this man, oh, he tried, oh, why? 70 years old. He died, at age of, he died at the age of 75. Even preachers, I've heard many preachers say it. God only promised us 75, uh, 70 years. Except that God never did. When people say that, they create a wrong expectation. Two things the Bible says about life, length of life. The first one, most important. He said, with long life, I will do what? Satisfy. Satisfaction is the first thing. But when he had to count days and years, he counted a hundred as a minimum. As a sign of a blessing. If, you have, if I have to pray about long life, 70 does not cross my mind. Moses was lamenting when he said it. 80 does not cross my mind. It was a lamentation of Moses. When the Lord had to talk about blessing, he started with a hundred. But he emphasized, more importantly, satisfaction. We don't know how old Paul was when he died, but he told us clearly 
I am actually tired of living here. There's nothing really to gain. So I want to depart and be with Christ, and that is far better. He said, but when I realized that missions, ministry, service is more important than personal comfort, I will endure the discomfort of this earth so that your faith can be encouraged, can be built up by my presence, by my ministry. Therefore, I will stay. Decision he made. And let me just tell you, every Christian, you are a man, you are a woman of God. Amen? It's not about being a preacher. And Jesus said something. That the death of, you know, the Bible says that it's precious, the death of his saints. Are you getting my point? What it means is that it doesn't just happen anyhow. Jesus told everybody, there is no chance in a hundred thousand million billion. If let the world go 4.7 billion years from this, a big bang. There is no chance I will die outside Jerusalem. He made it clear to them. So when it was time for him to die, he headed for Jerusalem. Why? He said, prophets in Israel, no, you don't die outside Jerusalem. You have to die in Jerusalem. That lets you know something. These things are appointed. So at the point in time, Paul now said, I think everything has been done. I'm not dead here anymore. So, he laid down his life by himself. I'm talking about the concept of satisfaction. But when we read scriptures, are you getting my point? It builds us, it builds expectation for us in every area. There are some expectations that we have in life that are not built on the word of God. For example, he said, in this world you have tribulations. Is that not God's word? So don't expect not to have it. Don't even pray about it. There are things that Jesus doesn't say, don't bother praying about. You must never pray that everybody will love me. Why would they love you? Jesus said that if they hated your master, what about you? So, once you are studying the scriptures, when you want to do right, don't expect to be popular. Don't expect to get contracts. Don't expect that when you do the lowest bid and the best bid, you'll get the job. No, you'll be defeating the word of God with that. Sometimes you will get it. Sometimes you will not. And the reason why you will not get it is simply so that God can prove to you that righteousness does not always pay the people think it pays. And like we always say, that way he separates the men from the boys. So what do I mean by separating the men from the boys? He wants to know those who love righteousness. Because if righteousness always pays like that, many people will do it. And God rewards those who love righteousness. That is, I'm doing it because it is righteousness. Not because it pays. I hope you're getting my point here. So, we derive our expectation, therefore, from God's word. That's what I'm going to say. Remember, I've said this many times. That is the one that does not fail. Have we read any scripture? Okay, we've just been talking. All right. So, let's read something. I want, what I want to explain today is that building that expectation, that hope from God's word. I want to explain it further. Because it's with hope we pray. And the hope is a result of faith. And faith is that which is in the heart that receives God's word as final information. So hope is built when we have received information and we are holding on to it. And that now generates prayer points. That's what I'm trying to explain. So prayer points must be derived from what we have interacted with in, in the word of God. Many times people derive prayer points from what they have interacted with in the world. That's what the problem is. When Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he was talking to his disciples. And he told them, abide in me and let my words abide in you. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you wish. It is clear, therefore, he was saying that the more you interact with me, the more my word abides in you, the more certain things are generated in you as a desire. That is the hope that will be satisfied. That is a prayer that will be answered. I hope you are getting me. That is the one in which your faith can be firm. That's it. That is the one God can do without any trouble because you will be able to hold on to it. It's important you understand that. But many times, what we do in life is that we take our desires from the world. I need to explain that. When we want to travel our brothers, that's why I was laughing. When it gets to this abroad, abroad thing, I, <laughs> somebody said that those who listen to Pastor Banky, they don't go abroad. Is that true? Even Pastor Banky goes abroad. I mean, does he not? It's just that he will come back too. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now, it's not really true. It's not, it's not really true. Okay? It's, you know, like I say, like somebody said, why? Yeah, I heard you say why. That's what I always discuss. Now, many times people say, okay, I want to grab, but what, what is the, what is the reason? They've never been there. Some have been. What just happens is that somebody says things to them. They read too many newspapers. They have certain desires in their hearts. Are you getting my point? Derived from things around. All these things come together and create a desire in them. I hope you're getting my point here. We watch a lot of TV. If you abide in front of the television and the words of the advertising agency agencies abide in you, you will have something you will wish for. If you abide amongst and interact with friends who are very worldly, who are not spiritual people, and their words abide in you, it will generate a desire for you. Remember where we began from? If you abide in Jesus and his words abide in you, he said you will ask whatever you will or wish and to be done. What he was saying is that as a result of interacting, your wishes and desires will be different. If you abide with feminists, I feel like talking about that, and you interact with feminists, you will have a new set of desires. You just get home and things that you have done normally before and you have enjoyed, all of a sudden, you will decide it is, it is um, male chauvinism, it is discrimination, it is gender imbalance. Give me another word they use. That's murmuring. Those who murmur perish in the wilderness. Tell me something. Gender inequalities, thank you. No more who said a woman is the one that will take care of a baby? Why can't a man do it? Who said it is a woman's job to cook? Why can't a man cook too? Who said when there are thieves, it's a man that will go and block the door? <laughs> who said when a dog is attacking you are walking on the road, you go behind your husband? Who says why don't you stand in the front? There's an article I have somewhere. I will try and find it. An American woman wrote it. And she said that, I like this gender equality the way it is. He said, when, he said, when my husband and I are at home and we hear noises outside, I don't, I'm not the one that goes to check. He said, yeah, let the man open the door for me. I like it like that. When I go out with him, let him pay. He said, I like that kind of inequality. <laughs> no, the woman explained though. They say, is that men and more than women? They say, yes. Because the jobs that pay more, we don't like doing. Not because we are lazy, just because we have other things to do. 
which is true. That's why you get to a place like the U.S., you number of women that are neurosurgeons are very, very few. Why? They don't like it. It's open. You can come and take it. But who wants to walk in such a manner that he will die? Let the men die. <laughs> like I jokingly tell my students, I said women generally have healthy hearts, healthier hearts than men. Why? Because they carry their troubles, dump it on the men, and they will go to sleep. I like that kind of gender inequality. <laughs> but of course, the world has their own problems. But let me get back to what I'm going to say. So sometimes you listen to all of those things. You get back home, your attitude changes. There are women who go for meetings, they get back home, happy marriage ends. Quarrels will start. Why? You abide with feminists, and their words abide with you. It's not only women, no. men too. There are men who abide with certain men. Oh God, some people have, they go and abide in wrong places. You are going out to hang out, to eat, to drink. There's pepper soup. There's a little bit of 5 to 10% alcohol in what you are drinking. And you are six and five are adulterers. You are the one begging for trouble. They don't need to talk. Their spirit will ride in the food you are eating and enter your soul. This is my flesh, Satan says. That was broken to destroy your family. Eat it as often as you do this in remembrance of my temptations. The company you keep. It's important. Listen, there are things that will happen in your home. Your friends have spoken to you. You have a new desire. What I'm going to bring out is this. So our desires are generated from certain things. Do you know suicide bombers? Do you know how they, they wake up to decide to kill themselves? One cleric taught them that to die in the course of jihad is glory. That's it. And it teaches them that when you die like that, this is the kind of reward waiting for you after here. And so they have a desire and it becomes, I want to die. That's the desire. Who wants to go and suicide bomb in this particular place? And young men, we volunteer. Why? What they've interacted with. Let's not spend all the time on this word this and the negative side. Let's go to the positive side. If you interact with God also, it generates desires for you. It does. It does. It generates its own kinds of desires. The kinds of things that, we, that are valuable to some people will not be valuable to you. Some things that are of low esteem in the eyes of other people, they are of high esteem with you now. And Paul said it like this. What has happened is that you've learned to approve the things that are excellent. Now listen to me. That desire, that expectation, that you know, call in your soul, that is the one that God fulfills. Because it's derived from his word. Even you, you can't change your mind. I hope you're getting my point. Why? Because the more you inter- Look, God's word is not an I do thing, no. It's not an I do. When I say an I do word now, when Paul, Moses first said that, he wasn't, he wasn't saying that hey, this word, you know, don't abandon it. Oh. No, what he meant is that it's not a... It's that the word of God doesn't sit and look at you, waiting for you to act upon it. No. Moses was saying, the word acts on you. I hope I get my point. That is, listen. If I take God's word and I soak it in every day, I listen to it regularly, a number of things happen. 
One, it changes my behavior, even if I wasn't thinking of changing my behavior. Listen to this. I am convinced of this. I don't have any doubt about it. It rearranges your genes and begins to affect the life of the next generation that will come out of you. And that is something you can't do by yourself. I have thought a lot about it. There is no po- Science will soon find it out. If they haven't found it out by now, because sometimes we are not up to date in what they have found out. Just like you have mutations going this way and scattering things. Another force, it's called the force of life. It comes and rearranges things. And how it happens with believers is that just by sitting with God's word, it just, it physically affects you. Your father is diabetic, your mother is diabetic. It's not weight watch you need. It's word watch. Those funny genes that you could possibly, maybe it's possible, you could have inherited from them. That those genes can be present, yet silenced. It's not called gene silence. It's known in genetics, if you know about genetics. Gene silencing. The gene is there. Something happens to them. We call them epigenetic modifications. We can't fully explain them. They just don't talk. We will now say the disease had a skipped generation. Those are things that the word of God does. It changes your character. It changes your physical body. It does. It drives away diseases. And listen, it's not everything you pray for before God does them. Some things you don't even know. I tell the story of my one brother I, I know who told me many t- years ago that he thought he was going to die at a particular age. Before then, he gave his life to Christ. And the spirit that used to follow him about stopped. He didn't know it was a spirit. He thought it was a feeling. I'm the one that descended. That, that was a spirit. A spirit of death. And the day of appointment that he would have died, somebody fired at him at close range, intending to kill him. But the bullet was trapped somewhere. I did not hit him. He never prayed about that. Very important we get this point. So, that is why I said, believers, no, 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 no. Don't, you see, this is your weapon of mass. You know what I mean? Your phone, your tab, use it for something good. Load it full of messages. Let it play all the time. You're in the bathroom, let it be playing. You're walking on your car, let it be playing. Let it fill your, get audio Bible. Load it there. Let it just be reading the Psalms to you. Let it just be reading the Psalms to you. Use these things for, I mean, they, <laughs> look, get materials, load it on these things. Read your Bible every day. Load up, load up. Why? Because each time the word enters you, it creates, you know, it changes what you want in life. When I see Christians make decisions, you know, I just wonder, what do you want? What do you want in, what do you want out of life? What do you want? Please get the message I preached in the back leg yesterday. I enjoyed it myself. People are feeding their flesh when God said there's a seed inside you that must become fruitful and must multiply. And every flesh, every seed, God wraps in the flesh. So you find a mango seed is wrapped in something. The human seed is wrapped in what you can see. Your skin, your body, everything. You spend all the time in the gym trying to look like jogging around the square like Satan. Running up and down looking for where food and clothing is cheap. But this is just a wrap for the seed of God inside you. You have not even asked yourself, why, how will I manifest that seed inside? We are so en- engrossed in feeding the wrap 
You forget the seed inside. When people understood the seed, people like Paul, he said, none of these things move me. Neither do I count my life as being dear unto myself. Why? There's a seed. There's a seed. There's something inside that God says must manifest. Let's, let's understand this. That's what interaction with the word of God does for us. It redirects your desires, redirects your expectations, so that, you know, we're talking about prayer. When you now come to pray, you are asking for something different. That's how I'm going. Let's quickly read it. Second Chronicles chapter 1. That is a hope that does not disappoint based on the word of God. God answers prayers. He does. Let's have from verse 6. Solomon went up from there before the Lord to the bronze altar which was at the tent of meeting. Let, I just feel like reading this. I feel like reading this something. It's not part of our message, but my eyes just caught it now. I didn't think about it before. Let's start from verse 5. Now the bronze altar, which Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hor, had made, was there before the tabernacle of the Lord. Did you notice that they told us who made the bronze altar? Did you notice that? That man was excellent. He was skilled. But he did not tell us the kind of car he drove. Of course, there were no cars there, but they didn't tell the number of chariots he had. They didn't tell us the kind of houses he lived in, but they told us the seed of God that was in him that he manifested. That just by the way, not part of our message. So Solomon, verse 6, went off from there and offered, I just jumped the line, and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. In that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I shall give you. Solomon said to God, You have dealt with my father David with great loving kindness and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord, your promise to my father David is fulfilled, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before these people for who can rule these great people of yours? God said to Solomon, Because you had this in mind, and did not ask for riches, wealth, or honor, or the life of those who hate you, which the Pentecostals will soon make their major prayer points. <laughs> did you notice that these very things that Solomon did not ask for, and God was happy in the answer, and the things we gather around today, what do we gather around? It is the same thing. Riches, wealth, honor, and the lives of those who hate us. When we declare all night prayer, tomorrow is thunder night. Come with a fire igniting seed. Should I tell you the truth, my people? Those things are in our business. I'm not lying. It's business. Let's not sit on that. Those very things that Solomon didn't ask for and God was happy to ask for. We have gathered around them now. But let's get back to Solomon. So God said, because you did not ask for riches, wealth, or honor, or the life of those who hate you, nor have you even asked for long life, 
But you have asked for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may rule my people over which I have made you king. He said, now listen, wisdom and knowledge have been granted to you. And I will give you riches and wealth and honor. The things he didn't ask for. Let me just stop reading here. So Solomon went from the high place, which was at Gibeon and all of that. Now, remember we're talking about interacting with God? Creating for us what? Desires. Expectations. What I want Christians to ask again is, why did Solomon not ask for riches? Why did he not ask for wealth and honor? Why did he not ask for long life? Why did he not ask for the lives of his enemies? Was he a gluten for punishment? He knew his father had enemies. Enemies are real. In fact, you will see, one of the first signs of, of the wisdom that God gave him was his ability to see plots hidden in innocuous requests. Requests that look, you know, simple, looks plain. Like his mother coming and say, why don't you give the Abishag woman to my brother Adonijah? A simple request for that Solomon executed Adonijah, executed Joab, and sacked a priest. You know, for a long time as a young man, I used to wonder, I said, this guy is mean. You don't want the girl. Your first wife is an Egyptian. <laughs> Give her to your brother now. The guy said, for making that request, Adonijah is dead. For supporting that request, Joab is dead. He looked at the priest, you go home, forgotten his name. Just go home, go home. Were you not that you, you know, you were the one carrying the effort before my father in the days of his suffering. You will have been, you two will have gone. He was so angry. And I wondered why. You know, it was in recent years I finally saw what he saw then. Blank, simple, innocent request. His mother saw it clearly as being innocent. But God gave him wisdom and said, this is the worst plot you are going to face. Your brother wants to collect the throne. That was why he asked his mother. You've asked for Abishag, right? Why didn't you ask for the throne straightforward? Why are you dancing around? Ask, for him, ask him, him, he asked me now to step down for my brother. She is my older brother. The mother didn't know, what are you talking about? You don't need a woman for anything. It's a wife we are talking about. Inheritance from your father. He said, that's the point I'm making. When Absalom wanted to usurp the throne, what did he do to my father's wives? The mother said, eh? Aha! Give him, give her to him. He'll be declared king within a week. Wisdom. <laughs> oh, the Lord is good. The question is this. This man was in the midst of plots. Why did he not ask God for any of these things? It was not something inherent with him. That's what I want to tell people of God. It was what was taught to him. Let's read it also. Proverbs chapter 4. I'm going to direct us to know how to pray effectively. Effective prayer starts from the motivation behind the requests. What is pushing you to come and pray to the Lord? Is it because you come out 
Or you came out over the last few days and saw all the new E-classes in town. Fine, fine cars. And believe me, I like fine cars. You, you are not sure? There's no problem. Just go and buy one. Give it to me. If I cry, then I don't like it. But if you see me driving it around town, that means indeed I love it. So nothing wrong with that. You've gone to your friend's house, you've seen the latest and biggest size LED TV you've ever seen curved. Now you can't sleep again. The TV you have in your house suddenly is now looking small. <laughs> you now go and buy binoculars to watch your own TV. It's not your fault. After the TV is only 42 inch. And your friend is 72. Oh, and you watched El Clasico on it. High definition. You almost saw Ronaldo run out through the screen. <laughs> then you get back home to your nice little LCD TV that's normal definition. And then you kneel down. Father, in the name of Jesus, say, what shall I do for you? Get me a new television. No. There are prayer requests you give to the Lord. He's embarrassed. He said, no angel should hear this prayer point. They will lose respect for you. You know what happens? Because the, the angels are looking at you, child of God. Oh, Jesus died for him. Oh, Jesus died for her. Oh, righteousness. Oh, they can see the robe of righteousness. Hallelujah. They see you praying in the morning. Hey, pray, mama, mama. Father, father, father. Hey, we worship. We worship. Oh, they say, child of God, respect. Because what can I do for you? Say plasma TV. You just shut the ears of all the angels. Bam! Because if they hear it, the regard they have for you will drop like this. Bam! Next time they are beating you, your guardian angel will be watching TV. <laughs> guardian angel is supposed to help. Why? He's lost respect. Why? It's your prayer point. Why? Because, you know, let me tell you the truth. That's what they call worldliness. Having interacted so much with the world, we have prayer points that in heaven, when it's prayer time, the angels are sad. So start asking, start seeing them pray. Lord, what shall we eat? Lord, what shall we drink? Lord, with what shall we clothe ourselves? We begin to declare, in the name of Jesus, what shall we eat? What shall we eat? What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Send now, now, now. In Jesus' name, amen. Unbelievers are driving good cars. Unbelievers are living in big houses. Are we not children of the king? We are. Begin to declare, it's our turn. It's our turn. Ah! You see the whole of heaven, they do like this. You know Jesus can be sad. Yeah. Or you think God doesn't feel sad? Sometimes we're almost depressing. So, so these are my children. So the very things I told them not to make prayer points, that, that, those are the things they've gathered. These things were recorded for their learning. Can't they see how I blessed Solomon without asking him asking for this? And in life, nature abhors a vacuum, we've been told. And it's like that spiritually also. We must pray. Are you getting my point? If you don't have the right prayer points, you have the wrong prayer points. So why do Christians pray those kind of prayers? Those are the only things they know are prayer points. Why do they have no of those things? They've not interacted with God enough to know certain issues are more important. For example, if the gospel we advance in this nation, it will depend on them praying. Yes. If the gospel does not advance, Boko Haram bombings will not stop. Bad roads will not stop. Development will not come. 
wars, all this one of um, one community fighting another will not stop. The only hope of it stopping in Africa as a continent, the only hope is not negotiation, it's not arrangement, it's not called the country to pieces. The whole of Somalia speak one language, and they're all Muslims, and they're always fighting. I hope you're getting my point. So there's no solution. Divide Nigeria into 25 countries, which is the minimum you'll have to do once you start division. Do you know, once you start the cutting process, ha! The cutters will not show up. They, they, <coughs> they, look, I'm not, I'm not kidding. The only solution I'm going to bring out is what? The gospel. Christians, listen to me. Anything you are desiring in life, the solution is in God. I hope you are getting my point. That is why, oh God, so many things to say. I look at black people in, in America. I say, you want Barack Obama to lead you astray. The freedom you are looking for is in Christ Jesus. It is not in campaigning. So the more you backslide because of the freedom that came, because of the divine blessing, the more you return into slavery. Listen, you are in America has not removed you from slavery. The poverty amongst the blacks there is bad. They are blaming the white people. I said, no, it's a spiritual problem. The solution, I'm not saying it because I'm a preacher, because I'm a Christian. It's what I have meditated upon, I have come, become convinced of. The solution is the gospel of Jesus. I'm talking about prayer points. Now, because I know that, when, say, God, what shall I, when God says, what shall I do for you? Honestly, <laughs> I have realized that money is not a problem. I have worse problems than that to pray about. What I will do with my life, if you say, God, what should, God, 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 when, when the Lord comes, what should I do for you? Right now, I have some prayer points. I'm not saying they are the perfect ones, but at least I can say to the glory of God, it's not money we are praying for. Not because I don't want more of it, but because I realize it's not important. So why do people have prayer points that make no sense? Because they've been discussing with people that know nothing. That's it. They fill their heads with, we know, with information from ignorant people. A man actually said to another, all he just wants in this life is to be able to own his own house and drive a brand new car. You know, if you were God, wouldn't you kill him the next day? No, it's simple. It's very simple. Just give him a house and a new car. Then after one week, he will have an accident and then he dies. His dreams have been fulfilled. No, will you have done wickedly as God if you did that to a man? No, you fulfill his dreams. And for that, he wanted to just get out of Nigeria and get anywhere. And the guy who was talking to say, why don't you work for me? I'll make it happen for you. And they are made so. That one says, that's all you want in this life. Then come and work for me. Serve me with all your heart. Worship me. <laughs> that one, just serve me with all your heart. I'll make it happen for you. Just a matter of time. Just give me a few years. With you working for me, I will make so much money, I will buy you a house and buy you a brand new car. People have foolish prayer points because they interact with foolish people. I thought we should open somewhere, right? Perhaps at the four. From verse 1, hear, O sons, the instruction of a father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. 
For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. When I was a son to my father, tender and the only son in the sight of my mother, then he taught me and said to me, that is my father taught me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. He said, I like in James here, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, do what? Get wisdom. My Bible says the beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. What he was saying, that's where I understand my Bible. It says, this is how wisdom starts. Love it, desire it. It's that with all you are acquiring, get understanding. Praise her and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. Let me stop reading here. Notice what wisdom does. He said, prize her and she will exalt you. She will make you rich. She will give you honor. She will give you glory. She will place, he said, she will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. For time's sake, we'll not read, there's more of it. You can go down to all the next um, few chapters. You get to chapter 8. You see him describing what wisdom does. What understanding does. Listen to people of God. This was the reason Solomon asked for wisdom and for understanding. It was a result of what he had interacted with. His father had explained to him, listen, you know, and when God says, what should I do for you? Usually, there's a common sense about it. It's not saying, give me 28, you know, like 50 things. Usually, it's, it's one thing. Basically, it's one thing. He's saying to you, what is most important to you? In your heart, you kind of know that this is a one-time experience. He's not going to come back to me tomorrow and ask me again, what do, I, what do I want him to do? This is like a one-time opportunity, in quote, in quote now, you understand? Now, I'm going to bring out something here. that It is what is most important for you that you will ask. I can assure you, many people, God asks them for this. They just say, God, give me 10 billion so that I won't have to disturb you again. 10 billion dollars. And you know what will happen? God will give them 10 billion dollars. He said they, how did he say it again? He said they lusted after, anyway, strange flesh and all of that. The Bible said that they give them their lusts and send leanness into their souls. The fact that God is the one that gave you something does not mean to bless you. So the point I'm making is this. That is how we generate expectations that will not be disappointed. It's simply from interacting with God's word. It's simply from interacting with people that their thoughts, their words have been formed with their own interaction with the word of God. That way, listen to me, in life you have a lot of peace of mind. You won't be asking God for things that two years later you are still praying for. And you know the truth? Every material blessing people are looking for in life is tied to asking God for the right things. Did I say so? Jesus said it, not me. What did he say? Seek what? First, the kingdom of God. When he says first, he wasn't saying, after you've sought it, seek other things. No. He said, let the thing that's uppermost in your mind be the kingdom and his righteousness. And you cannot seek other things. Do you know why? 
other things will now be what? Added. And I say to believers, the degree to which you are denied other things is the degree to which you are not seeking the right things. It's simple. Let's ask off it. How do we generate desires? How do we generate hope? That's what I've taught on today. How do we generate desires? How do we generate hope? It is simply by interacting with the word of God. Now I want you to pray on prayer. Say, Lord, the righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. Pray that prayer in your own words. Pray it. You have about five minutes to pray that prayer. Start with thanksgiving. Say, Lord, I thank you for the words that you have instructed me with today. I want to give I want you to give the Lord thanks. Like what you have heard today is you no. Know, communicated with you. It resonated with you. Say, Lord, thank you for taking darkness out of my heart. It's important. This is why prayers are not answered. They are derived from wrong interactions. When you listen to Allah Midday, you will be desiring pounds and dollars. You won't desire strong things. When you watch too many movies, you'll be desiring things that make no sense. Start with thanksgiving to the Say, Lord, I thank you for freeing me from darkness. I thank you for, no, for helping me not to continue to walk like a blind man. Now I ask you, Lord, the righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. The righteousness is everlasting. Say, Lord, give me understanding and I shall live. Help me to know what is important in life. Help me to approve the things that are excellent. Very important. Say, Lord, help me to approve the things that are excellent. Help me to know the things that are important in life. To know the things I should be chasing after. Things that should be my prayer points. I mean, I've been denied many things, Lord, but help me to know the things I should be running after. Because the things that I'll be running after are those other things that will have been added. There are things that will have been added if I knew the right thing to seek. Some people are asking for joy in the house. And God said, no. There's something else you need to ask for. Oh, very common. People are asking for more money, more money, more money. If you have asked the Lord for more money for the last two years, he has not brought more money. Drop that prayer point now. Drop it, drop it. And drop it permanently. Pray a prayer today. Say, Lord, teach me what to ask for. Teach me what to desire. Teach me, Lord, I'm asking you. Teach me what to desire. David said, the righteousness of thy testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and life will come into me. Life will manifest around me. Healing will come. Healing. Many people, there are problems. Whether it is also, whether it is cancer, whatever it is, there are problems God says, is unforgiveness. He says, if they will seek Christ-likeness in that area, healing will come. They will not even know it came. That is one day just realized that, oh, wait, oh, I'm no longer sick. Kenneth Higgins described how a lump that was in his wife's breast disappeared the day they consecrated their lives fully to the plan of God for their lives. And this was something they had been praying about for some time, holding on to God. God said, listen, that's not what the problem is. The problem is somewhere else. Pray that prayer, please. Say, give me understanding. Help me with direction in what I'm supposed to ask for. With God, nothing shall be impossible. 
I gave you a testimony. There I told God, no, I need to work. I'm tired of being, of not having a job. Next day, the very next day, he let me know that, look, holding back a job is not, I mean, giving you a job is not a hard thing. The very next day, he sent one. That's why I told him, I look back and I wonder whether I needed to even have disturbed him. Maybe I should have just continued what I was doing and enjoy it. Because it would have lasted another six months. But that was what ended up lasting. Many times we are seeking what is wrong. Please, I want you to pray this evening. The righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. I wanted to give thanks for the challenge. You know, this is the third time I'm praying about that in a row. Giving thanks for those challenges. Mention the challenges. I've not had a job for the last 18 months. Father, I want to thank you. Thank you for not bringing me out before my time. I've had this trouble. Lord, thank you. Yeah, I've been sick for some time. Lord, thank you. For everything, give thanks. But say to the Lord, I don't want the lessons of my life to be lost. I don't want to have suffered for nothing. Let my suffering bring forth Christ-likeness because in the midst of it, I discover what is valuable indeed. It's important. Let my suffering bring forth Christ-likeness so that in the midst of it, I will discover what is valuable indeed. That's, it. That's what is most important. Listen, I'll ask you a prayer. We want to know what is real to pray about. Let's take a minute and pray for Nigeria again before as we are closing. Say, Lord, let your gospel advance in this land. Teach your church to preach the truth. Help us to spread it to every corner. Why did I bring that prayer point? Because many times we have been rebuking and rebuking Buko Aram because that's not what the problem is. The problem is a wrong focus on the part of the body of Christ. Say, Lord, remove from our pulpits those who think it's a place to come and make money. Yeah, that prayer point, pray it like that. You heard one preacher say the other day that, ah, is this all there is to ministry to raise money, to collect money? Many people come to church and that's all. Say, just say, God, please remove them from there because we have work to do. We have work to do. We have work to do. Say, Lord, remove from, those, from the pulpits those who think it's a place to come and raise money. It's a place to come and feed their own ego. Lord, we are not angry with anybody, but we have work to do. We have work to do. Say, give us pastors after your own heart. You know, it's a promise. It's a promise. So activate that promise. Say, Lord, give us pastors after your own heart who will feed your people with knowledge and with understanding. Who will feed your people with knowledge and with understanding? Cause us, Lord, to spread the gospel. Let's learn the truth. Teach us the truth again as a people. What am I emphasizing that? Because many of the problems we have in the nation, that's what it's connected to, if not all. But we'll gather and pray about government for God to remove one and put another one. We'll gather and pray about security for God to stop kidnapping. We'll gather and pray about against road traffic accidents. We'll pray against about power to be constant. God said, I've heard all those prayers. All your answers are ready. But I need you to seek first the kingdom and my righteousness. Let's give the Lord thanks because he has heard us. Let us give him thanks. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. Amen. Everyone present here, I declare to you, is well within the name of Jesus. Amen. The instruction for your life, receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of us are here, but each person has his or her own unique instruction. The instruction for you, young woman, receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen.
the instruction for you, young man, receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Old and young, receive your instruction in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord will give you understanding. Amen. And you will live. Amen. To live means to you know, be delivered. To live means to leave confusion and go into direction. Amen. To live means to come out of a sick bed and come into a healthy life. Amen. To live means to have all kinds of dis- no shortcomings in your life removed. Amen. That's what it means to live. He said, but what brings it? Understanding. Understanding of what is important. Understanding of the right prayer points. Understanding of who to forgive. The one that used to make me laugh. The other day I told one of my classmates, better go and heal yourself. You are still angry about things that happened before you were born. <laughs> some people are still angry. They are, some people are angry with Nigerian structure of today. They are only 32 years old. And they are angry. Why did the South not agree that time to leave the North under colonial rulership? And they are angry on a daily basis. And because that is the very reason that guy won't get a good job. Because too busy with anger against things that, that happened before he was born. There's an instruction for each individual. Many people are sick. Believers, the reason why they are sick, two things. One, they are angry, they are unforgiving. Two, they don't rightfully descend the body of Christ. And it's bringing sickness into their bodies. That's why I pray for you again today. Your own instruction for destiny, you will receive it and hear it clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. Our Father will give you thanks. This is, I always like to pray, anyone who is infirm in any way, I declare perfect health into your body. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I speak concerning the life of your loved one. They are also healed wherever they are in Jesus' name. Amen. Whether they are within this, you know, this city, or within this country, or outside this country, or even outside this continent, right now the healing power of God will send it to them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Call the person after now and say, you are healed. We prayed for you today. Because I know as I was praying, you are thinking of somebody. And by your thought, you are channeling that power of God in that person's direction. Call after now and say, we prayed for you in church today. In Bible study. And I wanted to know that God has heard me. And God has heard us. And his healing power is working in your body. Father, we give you praise. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Let's share the grace in fellowship. Are you ready? One to let's go. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Surely we are passed out of death and we are passed into life. We are passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We are passed out from under the curse into the blessing. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of multiplication, dominion and manifestation. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Really bless the people around you, please. Say this is your season. This is your season. Two more people. This is your season. Multiplication, dominion, and manifestation. One more person. One more for yourself. This is my season. Multiplication, dominion, and manifestation. In the name of Jesus. One more, say like this, this is my season of and testimony. Remember we did last time. Alright, one more for myself. This is my season of multiplication, dominion, and testimony in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You will have a testimony. You will have a testimony. You will share a testimony on behalf of a loved one. Amen. Cheryl, brethren. God bless you. Saturday is our next meeting. Please don't miss it.